Ciao ragazzi and benvenuti to the 45th episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell and I'm recording this on the south side of Glasgow. Um, I'm at home, I'm reclining on a sofa, exactly the sort of sofa that if you listen to last week's episode, Michele Borelli wants to see in every cafe in Naples. Michele, <laughs> uh, how the hell are you? How are you in Naples in the shadow of Vesuvio? Hello, everyone. Yes, I'm fine. They haven't killed me yet for my very hot take, which I maintain. <laughs> because, yes, I do believe that we are missing something in Napoli's cafe culture, which is just, you know, a place to chill, you know, just somewhere where you can sit and chill and read and work and sleep even. And we don't have that. So, yes, I'm very much still pro Starbucks in Napoli. Give pro me sofa. those Starbucks. Yes. What's Italian for sofa again? I always forget. Begins Divano. With Begins with D. S. Divano. Okay. Is it different in Neapolitan, the sofa? No. no I Same think thing. Divano is fine, yeah. I think Divano. I think we have a, a, a awful legacy in the United Kingdom of single-issue political parties, right? Mostly to do with our relationship with the European Union which you may or may not have heard about, that uh, the UK is no longer part of that. I think you should be inspired by this and create your own single-issue political party. Sofas for Napoli. How, what would you call that? Forza, no, instead of Forza Italia, Forza... Forza Starbucks. I don't know. It's hard, you know, it's, again, it's a very controversial take. And, uh, but I think, you know, my opinion is that if people actually look at it from an objective point of view, you know, I think it's very, it's absolutely fine. You can you can take the best of both worlds and get the good coffee that we have in Napoli with the nice vibe and atmosphere that you get in the American coffee chain. I see. The best of both worlds. You really sound like a politician now, McKenna. There you go. Like, Vote for me. You're, you're, you're ready. You're ready to set up. And I, of course, will help you. I'm, you know, I'm happy to model reclining on a sofa with a coffee if you think that would help. Um, it always helps. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so here we go. Uh, in a sec, I want to hear about number 45. But anyone listening, what we're going to be thinking about today is we're quickly going to be, for anyone listening, I like that. That was a bit, that was a bit pessimistic. <laughs> if there's someone listening. If there's <laughs> anyone out there. <laughs> you, that one guy was listening to the podcast, please. I got a really nice message uh, this week from a listener, and it's always good to get messages from listeners. Uh, but there is a genuine, it sounds like a humble brag, but it really is a shock that I sound like Renzi, shock, but um, that anyone listens to this. Anyway, so we're going to be um, very briefly talking about the last game. It's been covered on other podcasts, but I've got a f- something to think about, particularly Cavalat Scalia and where he's beginning to play and I'd like to know your opinion about what that looks like in the stadium but most of this is going to be about Aurelio De Laurentiis's how long was the press conference two hours I think like it was one hour and 56 minutes I think <laughs> Did you watch the whole thing I didn't know so the thing is it's even funnier because 
I usually do. I usually watch the Laurent because he, I think it's quite interesting when he talks because he has no filter, right? He has like, if, if, if he has a filter, is still quite light, you know? It's not the filter that normal PR people have. So that's usually the only occasion where we learn something new because he has no filter and he's in charge of everything. So we usually, you know, like we speculate week in, week out, and then he comes and he just lays it all out for us. Again, you have to, you still have to filter it because, you know, it's just one side of the whole thing that he's saying. So it's the Laurentiis version of it, but it's still very interesting. I think it's quite easy to tell if you know how to listen to it and where to look. I think it's quite easy to tell when he's, let's say, embellishing it. The facts and the so you're you know, you're kind things. of fluent. You're fluent in De Laurentiis. I under I think I think I am. I think I am. I'm I'm used to it. So yes, when whenever Laurentiis speaks, I pay a lot of attention. But I think <laughs> this time I was so he was speaking, and I knew he had a press conference uh, scheduled. So I was reading he had his answers on like my Tutto Napoli app, and then after a while, like I opened three or four times, and it was like you know like ten minutes in. He says one thing like boom, like something about Spalletti. And then, oh, wow, interesting. Then I open it again after 10 minutes, still talking about whatever, the stadium, whatever. And then I did this for 30, 40 minutes. And then I realized that this would be like super long. So after 40, 50 minutes, I decided to look it up and actually watch it live because it was like, it was way too interesting. And trust me, I think this is probably, I would say, top 10 historic moments in SSC Napoli De Laurentiis era exit at, okay. at least because it was if you haven't even if you don't speak Italian I recommend you watch it it's all on YouTube on the club's channel because it's I don't know man it's like it's so interesting it was so funny to listen to it like the we'll way tweet that out. We'll he rambles about yeah. stuff just, yeah well we're gonna much. we're gonna go in gonna go in deep on this and um don't worry listeners I am here to chair Michele so this isn't gonna be uh you know, 73-hour podcast, which it probably could be. Um, so, and we've come up with our series of hand gestures, right, Michele, that we're going to yes. do. Yeah, okay. Um, but, and you've even got a bit of a cold, but you're, you've you've come through it to talk about it. So you're a real yeah, hero. I need, I need to. It's important for my sanity that I do. Great. Okay. Um, but before we do any of that, what is number 45 in the Napoli Tombola? Number 45 is Ovino Buono. Ovino Buono would be good wine. Il vino buono. Excellent. And you don't drink wine? I don't. Not even the good one. Yeah. And I do. And because it's the end of an incredibly long week, I've completely forgotten the name of my favorite wine that's on the made from the grapes on Vesuvio. Oh, what's it called? I'll look it up. Anyway. So what does that sort of mean? What's the meaning of that? Or is it just meaningless no no it's just you know the thing is like you have to look at these numbers as something like the pieces of a puzzle like i think one of the traditions back in the days and there is still like somewhere in napoli you can you can there are some like shows about it like you pick the numbers and then mm. you know like for example you pick someone it could be i don't know number uh i don't know 26 would be like the the little anna so it's a child. Then you pick 45, the good wine. So you make up a story, you know, say, ah, little Anna was drinking some wine and then 
Did you pick, okay. I don't know, like 38, which is a mazzate, so beating. And then, yeah, she, because she was drinking wine, she got beat up, you know. Like, they make up a story, so that's how you have to look at it. I went to a show, actually, I think three or four years ago. That was quite fun. It was the historic center on Naples, and it was a... I didn't know about it. Apparently, it was a tradition. It was this feminillo, which is uh, a homosexual man, but it's a, like a travestite. It's a, a drug, like... Kind of like yeah, a, a drag, drag artist. Yeah, yeah, drag artist. And she was on the on on the stage and she was, yeah, it was just like everyone was playing the tombola. So she was picking up the numbers and uh yeah, she was making up a story as she went along. As she every once in a while she would sing and she would dance and yeah, I was called up on the stage and uh it was <laughs> and we we danced together in a very yeah, erotic way, I would say. That oh was my interesting. god! Yeah, there are videos and photos which I'll never share with the world of that event, but it was quite release fun. them no, immediately. Never. Release never, them. never, never. Okay, never I'll mock them up. I'll draw them from my imagination. <laughs> or yeah. I get AI. Maybe, maybe it's better if I just shared them. Exactly, I was going to say you're <laughs> yeah, much better off sharing them. No, we could get AI. That that's what AI is there for, sort of yeah. creating you know things that are nearly true but are actually false. Um. Yeah, I was going to say, that's such a good drama game. That's a good creative writing drama acting. I might, might use that in my, in my teaching. Anyway, so before we go, what is that wine? It's like she she, she or something. She, anyway. Um, By the end of the episode, we'll, we'll actually we'll know, find out we'll what there. the name is, yes. Because I know everyone really cares what... Uh, uh, an English guy who lives in Glasgow's favorite <laughs> Neapolitan wine is um, the. Uh, but we are talk, let's talk a bit about football before we go into ADL. So we beat um, Verona. Don't know if you you remember that. Oh, interesting. Didn't know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yes, again, um, things are not going very well. Napoli choose to start playing towards Curva B and Michele Borelli, and what and what happens? Yeah, we won. We won. That's as easy as that. You know, you play towards Curva B in the second half and then you win. It's always like that. We haven't done it much this season. And to be honest, also last season, we didn't do it regularly. But it's, yeah, it's so usually, usually that's how it works. It was a nice game. You know, it's, uh, I mean. Did you do much horizontal, horizontal celebration? Oh, yeah, there was. Cavada Scalia goal went in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it was quite fun. It was such a, one of those goals that you know it's when you when you see them live they're completely different because you see i don't know it's just especially when you're in curva because they shoot towards you so you can see the whole you know trajectory of the ball curling towards you it's quite fun it's it's amazing because it's you you can tell you can tell in the stadium from the moment they shoot that it's gonna go in so it's got but you don't have the time to yeah you don't have the time to actually react to it before so you still, uh, you realize it, by the time it goes in, you're already exploding. It's always a lot of fun. I've seen a few goals brevity, like look, now. You've yeah, just yeah. given me some brevity, mate. That sounds amazing. Imagine, everyone, listening. imagine you're in the core of a... And it was pretty full, wasn't it, actually? Because it's yeah, yeah, Verona. Yeah. It's a pretty spicy game, usually. Curva's always full, yeah. But, I mean, like, the stadium, generally, was all right, wasn't it? There was about 40,000-odd there. Yeah, it? yeah, I would say, yeah, probably, yes. Imagine, and then you see this kind of moment in slow mo, this moment of genius from Cavadat Scalia, who I thought actually played very well for the Hoggers. Good to see him, actually. 
being used in a way that's actually um, effective for him. And then absolute pandemonium, similar to the Selena Turner game, presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Well, I think this one was probably even better because it's it it was still a last minute goal and it was uh you know it was just amazing just amazing to see I, I love those goals i really love them it's 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 great i've seen a few of them live and they they are the kind of goals that end up becoming unforgettable even like regardless of the game or the result it's just just one of those events that you are thankful to see live i mean that's yeah. the whole reason why we go to the stadium really and also there's been a few people i've been chatting to who are in sort of two minds they're like oh i might go to naples this year but i'm not sure because it's it's not a great season and i'm like go you know because you don't know what's going to happen in the game itself and uh jacob was there hey jacob from glasgow napoli he was there and uh i don't think he regretted going to see that game and that incredible last minute thing so let's talk about Kvartskeli just just for a second um I thought he played brilliantly Mazzari had some interesting things to say in the post-match conference didn't he about where he could play and obviously we had Ngonj and we had Lindstrom and Kvartskeli as a kind of a attacking trident with who was a Raspadori ahead of them. And that was quite interesting. It sort of worked quite well. I mean, it's different when you're chasing a game, isn't it? And you did have, I think, I mean, you were in the Cordova, you could tell better than me. Cavallo seemed to be operating a bit more centrally. What what are your thoughts on that as something a bit happening again in the future or for the rest of the season? Where where do you think his best place to play is having seen him in the stadium for a couple of years now? I think I think that Mazzari probably understood what the problem is with Kvaraskelia, then understanding the problem is one thing and offering a solution is another and making that solution work is a completely different story. But I've been saying it for a while that it was clear to me that, like Mazzari said that as soon as he, he, he came here, he said that the problem with Kvaraskelia was that like the clubs, that all the teams, our rivals, started to realize how, well, like, how much of a threat he was and they started to put two against him, not just one. So it, it always happens. Now, when, when Karaskel is attacking and is quite close to the box, you can tell, like, a second marker comes right, like, right away, and he, like, with two in front of him, is basically very ineffective. The problem with Karaskelia is that he has one in front of him or two players in front of him, he always plays the same way. And it's very, like, he's very effective usually is quite successful at dribbling one player when it's just one. Yeah. But if it's two, he still tries to dribble past them and he doesn't. Most of the time he doesn't because it's not it's not uh two times more difficult. It's way more difficult yeah. dribbling two instead of dribbling one. So um or three he, sometimes as well. Actually there's a game where he had three on him. I can't remember which game that was. It's just yeah. you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, so the problem is that he doesn't change the way he plays. Like, he's not, we could say, mature enough to understand that, you know, like, the thing he does when he has one player in front of him won't work when he has two or three. Uh, Mazzari said it very well in the press conference as soon as he came. He said, you know, they they, they put two or three players on Kavarskelia and uh, they try to kill his play like that and it's working. 
but we have to realize that when they take another player and put it on Karaskelia, it means that that player is not covering another part of the pitch. So exactly. there is some space freeing up somewhere else and we have to be good at exploiting this this space, which is opening up because of Karaskelia, no? And we which which is the argument for playing him centrally, because actually, if you think, if you have two, three players on Cavara and he's in the middle, then those spaces are going to be a bit more apparent and yeah. easier to exploit. It's interesting, isn't it, that Mazzari identified it very early, but yet we haven't really seen it deployed as a tactic. There were some nice moments when he popped up as a as a number nine uh, a couple of times um under Mazzari like mid game i thought that was that was quite smart as well um because he's not terrible in the air actually he's not bad at heading the ball but let's get it um he's you know quite smart about what positions to get in so what do you think about him playing in the middle like what was that like to see from the cover and what do you think is this a sustainable thing for the rest of the season maybe i don't think i don't think he's gonna consistently play in the middle it's just that something you can do in the middle of the game, something you can do just to switch things up. And uh, again, if Karaskalia becomes easily readable, uh, that's the end of him. So, you know, changing his position, it helps. I think it creates some chaos on the pitch for the for the defenders, for the for the rival. And uh, that's that's a good thing. So, yeah, I mean, I agree that Karaskalia is, is, you know, tactically... I think he has to learn a lot, but he's like on on a pure skill level, he's quite good, right? I mean, it's I don't have to like the he was yeah. last season's MVP, so not like yeah. you know, like I yeah, I'm telling him now. But it's uh, yeah, no, it's so good. So whatever you put him, he's gonna perform. But he has but to be able help. to do that. I think weirdly it will help his consistency. So if if there isn't so much of an idea of a fixed position that we always know he's gonna be playing on the left it will, as you say, keep the opponents on their toes. Because he's had a really interesting career at Napoli. If you think, you know, his, you know, beginning of last season through to February, he was, you know, one of the most exciting players I've ever seen play in an Napoli shirt. And then he absolutely wasn't for a while, which I think was to do with the reasons that you've highlighted. And then this season has been really weird and there's been moments when he's been fantastic, actually an improvement even on last season, but that consistency just hasn't happened. That's what I found so encouraging about the uh, the Verona game though, is that I think he was hitting some some real heights and making things happen. On Connected to that, what did you make of um, Ngonj, our new signing? Or is it Ngonge? I don't quite know how to say his name. I think name. it's Gonge. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I it was funny because when he scored, the end I mean at the end it wasn't even his goal, but when we scored, then Dejur Bellini made us scream his name. I think everyone said it in a different way. <laughs> but like Kavanat Scalia last season. But you know, yeah. we all learned. So um Cyril yeah. as well. I love the name Cyril. It's a great, it's a great name. Very cockney name in, in the UK at least anyway. Uh, there is a song, a famous football chant, Nice One Cyril. Um, nice one, Cyril. Nice one, son. Anyway, maybe I could I could start that chant in Naples when I come over this season and everyone can laugh at me. <laughs> yes. uh, but again, I think what's interesting about him is that the way that he can play, I think, in multiple positions in that attacking line, um, which Lindstrom apparently can do too, but we just have never really seen him play this season. Um 
any thoughts on on Cyril and and Lindstrom a bit? Because I'm sort of, I'd love to see those three play together and and swap around and be quite fluid in that in that sort of attacking midfield area. Yeah, no, me too. But it's for me, it's too early to tell. I don't know. It's I don't. Like he seemed good. He seems like he can give a valuable co- contribution to the team, but it's too early to tell right now. So I wouldn't know. I yeah. like we'll see. We'll see how. He, I think I think it's probably a good signing, but this season is a little bit cursed. So we'll uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like it's it's not enough to be good this season. It's just it's I don't know. It makes it makes very little sense. So we'll see. As, we'll see. Yeah. And one last thing about the game. Um... What was it like seeing four at the back again instead of three? What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't know. It's again, it's it's hard to talk about tactics now because I don't know if that's the real problem this season, you know? So it's uh it's I don't know. I I think we found some balance with the three five two or whatever three four three, whatever we played. And it's, you know, like the, the problem was that we didn't create any chances and Mazzari wanted to fix that. So we went back to the 4-3-3. But then again, the problem, and again, I guess we're going to talk about it later for the Derantis conference, is that I am not sure whether Mazzari is really convinced about the 4-3-3 because I am, I am quite uh, certain that it's De Laurentiis who asked Mazzari to play 4-3-3. So, you know, it's it's sad. You know, every time they ask about it during press conferences, Mazzari always says, No, I love 433. I know everything about last season 433. And then and then De Laurentiis kind of says the same things when he talks in the press conference. So it makes yeah. me think that it's something that he's kind of forced to say Mazzari. a party line it's a bit like again it's a bit like politics like when there's yeah. just been an announcement a new policy you'll see all the politicians go out on the news and they'll all use exactly the same phrase and exactly the same phrasing and you know that that's been created from up above um yes i agree actually and i think also the other thing about the makeup of the squad now sort of post to Mercati is looking at that squad on paper it's quite hard to say we should play three at the back or we should play four at the back it's yeah. it's not 100% clear which isn't necessarily a bad thing and maybe some people were saying and I think they might be right that perhaps we'll just have, play in different ways against different teams but, yeah but then again like I've just found the play, the, the, the part where but, uh, the Rantis talks about it in the press conference he literally said he literally said, I asked Mazzari to replicate last season's. Uh, he said, well, let me, I want to, like, it is, I think it's important to translate this, like his, uh, his phrases, literally. We'll start, if you give it as an Italian to start with and then translate it, if you can. I mean, it's not 100% easy to do, but. Because uh, these things do take place in Italy, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said. Sometimes we forget, actually. No, but even. Again, I urge you to co- to go watch it because even the just the, the the text, you know, like the journalists that wrote it all down, they missed a lot of parts. Because sometimes it's so funny that they ask him about Spalletti and he starts answering, talking about Los Angeles. You know, these kind of things like you cannot really <laughs> replicate. So yeah, so what? So they asked him about 
Garcia, whatever. He said, yeah, was talking about Garcia. And then he said, Mazzari is humble enough because he understood what he wanted. He said, Mazzari has the humility to understand when I asked him to replicate Spalletti's game from last season. Spalletti's, yeah. you could say Spalletti's, yeah, like game plan, you could say something like that. So that's something that the Laurentiis mentioned specifically. And then if you remember, Mazzari came and they asked him, oh, yeah, you're going to play 3-5-2 like you usually do. And he said, no, guys, I love the 4-3-3. I studied everything there was to study about Spalletti from last season. I want to play exactly like Spalletti played. Mm. Mm. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, yeah sure. Like, you, do we believe him? Because I'm now we know, like I was already sure about it, but now we know because Adriantis said it in the press conference that he was looking for someone who would replicate Spalletti's game plan, Spalletti's Which overall why, play. How we yeah. ended up with girls here. And we all know that that's how it works. It's so easy to replicate these. I was thinking, like, I'm a, I was born in 1983, so I was a teenager in the late 90s, early noughties, right? And back then, the fashion was to have flares, corduroy flared trousers, right? That was in. So I saw all the other cool people wearing them and I thought, I'm going to replicate that. If I wear those trousers, uh-huh. all everyone will come and talk to me. <laughs> I'll be a very successful man with with everybody. And I bought a pair of flared uh, trousers, Michele. Right, and instead of them going right the way down, they stopped at my ankles <laughs> and I looked like an absolute idiot, okay? So that's my equivalent of, yes. of Mazzari trying to replicate <laughs> Spalletti. What I should have done was be myself, wear my own stupid clothes, and then I might have made a few more friends. There you go. That that also begs the question. And that's my that's my take on it. That's one of the questions I had after listening to De Laurenti speaking in the press conference. My question is, maybe, like, is that why so many coaches last summer said no to joining mm. us? Maybe that's why. Because yeah, they imagine. Him, yeah, yeah, you're an amazing coach. You're Luis Enrique. I mean, he wants to play that way anyway. But do you want your owner to tell you how to play? Yeah. So that's one of those things where you don't really listen to what the scientist says, but you try to understand what, you know, you try to read between, between the lines. Because they asked him about it. He said, like, oh, is that? So it was, I guess we're covering the scientist press conference now because I have a lot to say, man. Okay, so right, what we're going to say was we're going to yes. just hold this now. So that was a good transition in. Yeah. So just to contextualize it for maybe there are some people listening that aren't as obsessive as as us. That you know, for us, like obviously there was a press conference a couple of days ago that um, ADL did, and it was um, unusual for a variety of reasons. Right? It was unusual for its length. It was unusual for the fact that it was just him. Right? Yeah. And. Um, there was a bit of a run up to it, so we kind of knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Kelly's holding up a, a be- well. Can you describe what you're just holding up to me, please? So yeah, there was a that's a De Laurentiis figurine from San San Gregorio Armeno, which is the place where they make. I didn't buy it. It's a it's a friend of mine who knows how much I love De Laurentiis would would give <laughs> to a me great present. Yes, a De Laurentiis figurine and uh, I am with you, President t-shirt that i'm gonna wear i don't know when but i'm gonna wear it soon i'm disappointed you're not watching it now so anyway so this was called midweek so it was wednesday right yeah. um 
And also, I'm actually interested for the listeners as well who might not know. So you you said you went to an app, you went to Tutto Napoli. Yeah. And so would you recommend that? I mean, obviously it's in Italian, but it as a way of really staying up to date with what's going on with the club. Yeah, it's a news aggregator website. And it's basically the first app I download every time I change my phone. It's the first app I usually open in the morning when I wake up and probably the last one I close when I when I go to bed because it's it's just like constant news about Napoli. It's, again, it's, I think you have to learn how to use it, not in the way of opening or closing or not stuff like that, but what to read and especially what to ignore because they have a lot of stuff. It, being a news aggregator, they have news from all the websites, all the newspapers, all the journalists, and a lot of them, they just talk bullshit. They 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 make up, you know, news. So it's important. I think with time you will realize which ones are the bad sources, and which one are the good sources. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so you don't don't take it as gospel. I learned a lot during the, one of the many Cavani sagas of of sort of three, four, five years ago. Um, who to trust and who not to trust. It was quite helpful, actually. Um, so anyway, so the, I mean, a lot of things were said over the course of two hours. So I suppose we've got to, we've got to structure this. I mean, in my head, there's sort of three or four like key points that we've got to really look at. In a bit like you, Michele, I'm sort of almost less interested in what he said and more in how he said it. But then I would say that because I'm a performance lecturer. But what would you, to begin with, what would you say to summarise were the sort of key areas of discussion that happened in the press conference, and then we'll go into some more detail. I think I want to, I think I want to read because after a while, it was so funny that I was live translating some of the answers he was giving, like literally live translating every word he said uh, to a few friends because I wanted them to understand what I was listening. And these are friends who don't speak Italian. So I want to read, if you allow me, just one one short answer he, he gave. And then maybe the, the, the game could be... Uh, so I read this answer and you tell me what you think the question was, okay? Oh, I like I it. That's, that's a fun game to play. So, okay. this is, so this, again, this is my live translation word by word from Italian to English of of one of those two hours, you know, one of these answers for during the two hours uh, press conference. So, okay, so here it is. This is the answer. I get angry when they consider our club a stepping stone. How dare they? I leave Hollywood for Napoli and it's a stepping stone. I want to move from Rome to Napoli. I bought my son Edo a beautiful house which overlooks the Gulf. You can touch Capri even. Where do you find a place like this? a place which has the Rione Sanità with all its culture. I love Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is completely different. Los Angeles allows you to be with yourself and your spirit because there is nothing in Los Angeles, just yourself, which is fine sometimes. But here in Napoli, how can you hope to have enough time in your life to be able to experience Napoli in its entirety? You're lucky. And this is now he's speaking directly to an, uh, a journalist. You're lucky with your little white fur. Aren't you feeling warm? So this is the answer, word by word, that you gave to a journal. And now you tell me what the question was. So my first thought is that it's to do with Kim Min Jae, but then that's a bit out of date. So maybe it's to do with uh, 
either Zelensky or Kavalatskaya's contract. No. So the question was, the question was, will Mazzari remain next season too? <laughs> <laughs> and this was literally oh, word God. by word the answer, and it was so beautiful to me how we started somewhat coherently because you know the answer was like i mean it was like managers treating us like a stepping stone because i guess he was trying to convey how he doesn't want to hire someone who's gonna leave us as soon as he becomes big mm. uh but i love how we just ended the answer with i love napoli what about your white fur coat are you feeling warm and there was again it wasn't just because the journalist said something it was still part of his answer and uh hilarious it it, it, it is hard to it, it's hard to convey the i don't know the character of this man by live translating in english what he says it's just that it's 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 beautiful it's just i don't know like don't well know. okay i'll do it. i'm going to summarize it because i want to come back to this because some people would say well why don't you like him he's an eccentric he's idiosyncratic there's no other owner like him in world football put that thought in your head so Now, add anything I miss out here, but really this was talking about Kavadatskalia's contract extension, right? Um, it was also to do with his own responsibility for what's going on right now. Um, so Spalletti's exit, he talked about, blames himself. He was also talking about this idea for, which he said for many years, a new training centre, a new stadium. Um, there was some stuff about this, the European Super League, um, which uh, he's been, been quite vocal in his support for. Um, but again, it's ADL, so it's always a bit weird. And he also went into some detail about the firing of Rudy Garcia, They were the ones, the things that I've seen. I, I might have missed something out. but um, So why don't you see this as a straight-talking, no-filter, lovable eccentric who has, you know, stabilized the club from bankruptcy and brought some of the meaty of um, Napoli, the Vets in Cavani and Hamsik, and has delivered... The third skeleton. Why? Why aren't we talking with great joy about this man, Michele? Ah, uh, that's such a difficult question to answer. I don't know if I can actually answer it properly. But use this conference as a way of understanding. So, what in this conference that he did helps to explain some of your feelings towards ADL? I think I think it's it's too hard to answer to this because yes, you you hear this conference and. Uh, i think it's it's quite easy to understand like the strengths and the weaknesses of this man in a way not completely but in a way um my problems with delarentes are about his character but again it's just not it's not because i don't like him like honestly like yesterday i laughed out loud so many times like at one point at one point it was like his like the press conference officer from the club was giving, you know, was pointing at journalists and allowing them to ask a question one at a time. And then one, at one point, the Laurentiis stopped him and said, 
and pointed towards like he was talking to some um woman like female journalist and he said no worries i'm gonna let you talk my press conference officer is a known misogynist so he won't let you but i will and that was honestly it was genuinely funny yeah. yeah so yeah that was quite funny but the thing is like so it's it's my problems with with the Laurentis are um multifaceted you could say there are a lot of reasons why i don't like him and this, did again, you see not... any of those in this conference McKelly? what did he see in the conference? so many man like the first thing you can tell like um okay let me let me preface it by saying that the the reason why his character counts because you could even say like whatever i mean who cares he's like he's not funny he's funny he's uh I mean, you don't have to like him it's not like your father that's fine but the the thing is the reason why I think his character counts a lot is because he's the uh, he's the man in charge of everything. He's not a guy who's able to delegate. So everything, like every decision goes through him. Everything. Everything. So his character, so he's like, he's, like he said it, like he said it explicitly even many times during this, this press conference that he's the guy Okay, he he said it in a way. He said, "I care." Like I have, I have. Uh, maybe we're gonna talk about it later because it's a very interesting question and a very interesting answer. I think it was one of the last ones, but he's always Go say it. Say it now. Tell us. Tell us now. No, it's no because I want to because it's uh, it was a uh, was the third time they asked him this question because he evaded to answer three times. So this guy at the end he asked him again. But the thing is, in general, I want to say that being the guy in charge, being unable to delegate. It matters a lot what kind of character he has because he's the one who speaks to the players, to the managers, to the suppliers. So yeah, I mean he like when the he local authority for stuff. Yeah, the exactly the mayor, everything. So if he's not a guy who's easily uh, likable, this is gonna affect Napoli directly. When I say Napoli, I mean everything about Napoli. You know the players, the managers, the everything about it. The reason why we have Mazzari. And this is, I think, somewhat controversial also because I can't really prove it 100%. But my informed opinion, my informed guess about what happened this summer is the reason why we have Mazzari right now, which is, I mean, as to say, the reason why we had Garcia is because this guy, he is who he is. And he's not easy to deal with. There are multiple reports about him meeting with Tiago Motta and Tiago Motta at the end just saying, yeah, whatever, uh, I mean, just re rejecting us. And I mean, this guy decided to stay in Bologna, not at Real Madrid, instead of coming to us. And the Laurentiis touched on it a little bit and he said, oh yeah, well, it, there's nothing. I mean, he didn't say no to Napoli because of me or because of something I said. He said no because he's already thinking about big European teams that he wants to join. Now, this is one of those things that I believe has to be filtered because the Laurentiis will never say, oh yeah, Tiago Motta didn't join us because he didn't like me. He right. will never say that, right? Yeah. So, you know... That's I screwed up that things. conversation. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. a really interesting point. I think it's such a good point to say that actually, if there is no infrastructure in the club, the character of the owner is so important because that's the contract negotiations, transfer negotiations, hiring and firing. Yes. Yeah. And that's Remember where that this is matters. the guy, this is the guy who said last summer when Spalletti left, he said, this team can be managed by anyone. Yep. That's what he said. 
So this is I'm the with, guy. This is De Laurentiis, yeah. and this I'm living this those attitude, exactly, hundred percent. This attitude affects everything. everything. And there was something. There was an example actually from the press conference. I think that I, I want to talk about now, which is when he's talking about the firing of Rudy Garcia. He said that you know before the match he was going to get rid of him, but Rudy Garcia was like, no, 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 no I'm, I'm going to turn it around. And then at half time, he goes down and talks to him. And tells him to f off, basically. Exactly. And at the end, he fired him. And I thought, okay, fair enough, whatever. And superficially, there might be people going, "Yeah, great, we were playing badly, and he's decided to not take no crap from nobody." But then you you look at it calmly and objectively. We're a club that's really struggling to find a manager to commit or a coach to commit to the long term vision of it which he's kind of admitted in this press conference so why would you then say that publicly what kind of a manager wants to work with someone that's coming in at half time if i was directing a play and the artistic director came up to me at the interval and started telling me things i wanted to change about it i'd tell him to fuck off yeah or her you know and i would not want to work in that theater again it's my show i've directed it and uh, you know, we can talk about it afterwards or whatever, but don't walk up to me halfway through and tell me what's wrong with it. Um, I agree. And these are the things that he's telling us. These are the things that he's telling us. Imagine how many things he didn't say. Yeah, Again, this is this is my point. This is my, I guess, my overall point. You have to be able to deduce, extrapolate from his words. So he's saying probably 1% of everything that's happening in the team. In the club, everything that has happened over the years, you can pick some of the things that are actually very clear and explicit. And I think you can deduce and you can assume what's going on behind the scenes. For example, for example, this is one of my, this is one of the, my, my personal battles, which I'll keep fighting until I die. So the Sarri battle, because a lot of people said, ah, Sarri wanted to leave, he betrayed us, you know, fuck Sarri. Now, this, like, do you remember what happened after we lost against Real Madrid? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about this a few times, right? And yeah, he yes. he basically took a dump on the on on the team at the wrong moment. Yeah, publicly on publicly, national yeah. television, he went after we lost against Real Madrid, a team which would go on and win I don't know how many Champions Leagues in a row, like Three. four of yeah, four of the next five. Uh, you know, four in five years after that, in, after that, and uh, he, he we lost three one, so not like ten one. We lost three one against Real Madrid. He went after that. He went to national television and he said, uh, "I'm paraphrasing, but he, some, he said something like, i 'I'm ashamed of this performance. There is only one guy who played well. I think it was Diavara. I think he mentioned uh, this. I'm not satisfied with this performance. He was very angry. He was complaining in national television, like very." vehemently you can just you can you can only imagine what happened in the dressing room after that game you can only imagine what happened in the in the coming weeks after that game and uh, and then sari leaves and you blame sari that's my point it's like you have to like we cannot judge just by what we what we see because what we see is not enough and we are lucky in a way because the like this doesn't really have a filter he doesn't speak like too. He speaks too often to the press, but it's, it's not like he speaks every week. 
So mm-hmm. we don't know everything, but we know a few things. We know the way he perceives himself. You know, we know the way he handles the team. We know how the team is structured, and in we know, for example, like you pointed, like you pointed out, we know that he's not shy of. Uh, he's not afraid of going into the dressing room at halftime and voicing his his concerns, his dissatisfaction directly with the manager. Again, not at the end of the game, which is still unacceptable in the dressing room, but it's you know it's the end of the game. No, at halftime, I don't care if it's Garcia, if it's we're losing SM, I don't care. At halftime, this guy goes from the VIP tribune to the dressing room. And he says he, he tells Garcia how to play. He literally said, when he listened to me, we won. And then he stopped listening. And he said, let me do what I want to do. And then I asked, I told him, do you want to, do you want to get sacked? And then I sacked him. This is at halftime. So this is a guy who thinks he knows how to... Um, Manage a football club. Ex- ex- be, be no, a coach. No. Exactly, manage the football club, but on the sporting side of things. Yeah, and that's an like you think that's that's healthy, and this this is only one thing that we know because he mentioned in the press conference. Imagine how many times he did this in the past few years. Imagine, so now I'm the first one to blame Spalletti, for example, for leaving, no, because but for the way he left, especially. But do you think it's easy to work with a president like this? I mean, no. there must be a reason why they all leave after two or three years. And also maybe a reason why we don't have a training ground in the stadium. So it's, it's interesting if you think they're kind of three key points of the press conference. Kovalatsky Elliott's contract, these new estates developments, you know, training center, stadium or whatever, and the sort of ongoing manager thing, right? So think of the key players in those three issues, right? Kovalatsky um, agents and Kavadskeli himself, um, the mayor, the local authority, investors who might want to give us some money to make this happen for the training center and say your sponsors and those sorts of things, and then a future coach, and the eccentricities and the unprofessionalism and the chaos that came out of ADL's mouth that you've summarized brilliantly with that thing about I like your fur coat. None of the key players in those three key things will want to sit down with ADL or be looking forward to it in a way, you know, off off the back of that. And it's interesting that the lot of some of the positive reaction to the press conference was like, great, ADL's taking responsibility for it. And it's like, well, in some, I don't care. Like what's important is that you behave in a way that people want to work with you. And what I'm finding increasingly problematic with his behavior is I think because he won the Scudetto, that it's sort of galvanized him to be even more eccentric which is going to push people away um yeah so yeah i mean i i'm kind of in in agreement with this one of the things that you have to realize and like if people don't understand you know what's going on or why you know there's so much i wouldn't say hatred because hate is a big word but you know you have to realize that Basically, everyone who works with De Laurentiis, everyone who has a business relationship with De Laurentiis, hates him. Again, hate is a big word, but you know, in the context of a business venture, let's say, mm-hmm. they would rather work with someone else. I know this uh, because of some rumors I've heard, but that's, I mean, it's it's public knowledge. You know, like you just today, there was a, a Napoli councillor who kind of answered to some of the 
some of the uh, points the Lions is raised about the stadium because one of the things he mentioned about the stadium is he said, I give the mayor 120 days to give me the stadium, otherwise I'll go somewhere else. Like, what do you think you are? Like the king of Naples? Like you you give an ultimatum to the mayor? What the fuck? <laughs> it's unbelievable. And the mayor's not gonna back down. I mean, obviously the mayor's not gonna No, the He's problem not is that no, you know. this is this is the issue. The mayor, like people, like, and this is my issue, I guess, with a lot of pro de Laurentiis people. Uh, they don't really know what they're talking about most of the time because when, especially when we talk about the stadium, and I'm obsessed about the stadium because it's one of my dreams for many, many years has been now to have a new stadium. So every time, well, we've got it. We got we got loads of listener responses about it. So we're going to do a whole episode on the stadium at right. some point soon. But just just to cover what what they said about the stadium, like the thing is, a lot of people say. Uh, I still read it now every day. They said, uh, if only the city would let the Laurentiis buy the stadium. Man, it's not that simple. That's not the problem. The mm. thing is, the Laurentiis keeps rambling aimlessly, randomly about the stadium because he knows, he knows what the problems are. And the problem is not the city not wanting to give the stadium. Like, it's so funny to me because the Laurentiis speaks and rambles and then the answer from the mayor is always the same because the situation is always the same. He says, the director says, oh, give me the stadium. I will do this. I will build the best stadium in the whole world. If only they give it to me, they are incompetent. If they don't give me the stadium, they, they will make the people hate them. And the mayor always replies the same thing. I'm more than happy to give him the stadium. I'm required by law to have a, a natural project in my hand from the guy, from the club, from the company who wants to, which wants to get the stadium. If I don't have this project in my hand, I am not um, legally allowed to give the stadium. In other words, you are not allowed to gift the stadium to a company because the stadium is a public property and it would be extremely wrong from a legal point of view to just give it away based on what? Yeah. Based on a promise? So I go to the mayor, Michele Borelli, I said, oh, you know what? No worries about it. I'll... Uh, I'll find some money. I'll build the best stadium ever. Give me the stadium. And they say, yeah, oh, what yeah, kind sure, of a, I trust you. What kind of a precedent would that set? It's exactly. so open to corruption. No, but it's, just, it's literally illegal. So the only way they can do it is they have to have a proper investment plan. And this has been going on even with the last mayor. The last mayor was the same. He needs to have a proper project in his hand. They can evaluate the project. And based on the project, if it's deemed worthy, then they can build the stadium. The only project, the Rentis gave only one project many, 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 many years ago. And the project was for a 20 million renovation of the stadium. 20 million doesn't even cover the toilets to mm. build, to renovate the stadium. They spent, I think, 25 or 30 millions uh, in 2018. And the stadium, you can tell, it's basically the same. Yeah, they changed some some seats and uh, they changed yeah, they, yeah, they changed the running track and stuff it's like blue. that. But, yeah, it, it's blue. Yes, exactly. But it was very expensive and it was yeah. 30 million. So with the Laurentiis project was 20 million. The last mayor said no to it because it wasn't enough. And that's it. That's solely. So now the problem is the Laurentiis says, I, I just give me the stadium. And the mayor still says, give me a project. If you give me a project, if you give me a, uh, an investment plan for it, I'm more than happy to give it to you. But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. That's it. So that's, well, yeah. I vote for... Bagnoli, that's where I want the stadium. 
Yeah, that's that's uh by the sea with a beach. Yeah, that's complicated. But that's never gonna happen. Um okay. I think that was good. I think we covered quite a lot of things. Um I think people have different takes on ADL and it's always gonna be a bit of a divisive it it is so interesting though that some people absolutely love this guy some people absolutely hate this guy i can't think of another owner that splits fan base opinion in quite the same way um just can briefly I, can i, can I yeah. read you another question and another answer the latest yes oh, yeah i like conference. this game yes i like it i like no, it. now now i'll read you the question and then the immediate answer he gave after the question was asked so the question was what about the new training center and the new stadium? Paraphrasing, but this was the question about the training. And the immediate answer literally translated is, you see, since COVID, I haven't been able to go to Los Angeles as much as I want to, and I miss it a lot. That's how we started an answer about That's... the new stadium and the new, literally. And then, I mean, it, it still rambled about, you know, the US. I think, I think the idea was to mention this because he said, now that he doesn't go to Los Angeles anymore, he has to focus on Italian TV series. I don't know why he mentioned that. I don't even remember that anymore. But yeah, so, it's just, yeah. That's, so again, I strongly recommend to watch the full press conference because it's just by the body language you can understand. And one of the things I think that was very important is that uh, I mentioned it before, but he got asked a question three times by three different journalists. And the funny part is that this question was asked by at least two or three of these three journalists are journalists that he uh, specifically mentioned as journalists that he likes and that he esteems. So the question is, paraphrasing, but the question was, um, don't you think that the problem with the club current and overall is that you have a very bad temper and bad character and bad attitude. This is, again, paraphrasing, but this is literally the question he got asked. And he evaded the answer. Again, now you know the way he answered this question. Like, you asked him this, and then he starts talking about, like, Angelina Jolie, for example. So he yep. evades these questions. And at the end, it was quite funny because the third time he got asked this question, uh, the journalist specifically said... Uh, Two of my colleagues asked you this question twice and you still didn't answer. I want to ask you again. Don't you think that the problem is that you have a very bad temp? Again, a press conference with the Laurentiis and three journalists tell him that he's basically unlikable, right? Yeah. Like it was, uh, I think this guy, the last journalist who asked this question is a 19 years old, like journalistic legend. I don't know the name, but while he was asking the question, the Laurentiis stopped him and said, I love you, I read you every day. Uh, I really like you a lot. Uh, How old? Nineteen or nineteen? Nineteen, nineteen. Oh, so he's like an old fellow, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he, the even said, "When it's your birthday, I want you to celebrate. I'm gonna throw you a party." Like he, he really likes this guy, and I kind of felt for the Laurentis because he said that. And after after this, after this, after he said, "Oh, I'm gonna celebrate your birthday with you. I love your radio every day." The question was. Why are you so unlikable? <laughs> I, I kind of fell for him. I wasn't able to watch the Laurentiis, like his facial expression while he was asking them because it was quite, like the way he asked the question was quite harsh. But yeah. I think it says a lot, no? Because again, they like each other, they're friends, but he, still the question was, uh, it was quite long, the question. He, like he even touched about the fact that, oh, you come here 
to the to a press conference and he talked to us journalists like in a way that is not appropriate you come here and i think you should give us some uh, distance because you are telling us that we are incompetent and arrogant and useless and stuff like that uh, you know like it was a very complicated i think to the point question quite uh brave if i could say but again mm. it, i think it's not a coincidence it was asked by a 90 years old guy it, the mm. guy doesn't care anymore and yeah the, the again i listened very carefully to the answer after he he, he he was asked this uh question and i mean the answer was all over the place he it yeah. was yeah it was just uh talking about everything i think the most relevant relevant part of this answer was when he talked about the fact that um, basically what I told you before, that he's incapable of delegating. The funny part is that he mentioned this like it's a good thing. So the question part of the, 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 the okay, let's say the part of the answer that made sense was about, yeah. um, I can read it to you a little bit. Yeah, go on. It was, I said it before, I said that I am an entrepreneur and I participate as all as in all my companies from the ice cream business. Okay, no, well, it's in no, I cannot read it literally. This is too much. <laughs> this is too much because maybe people don't know, but he has an ice cream business. So here he listed. He basically said, um, he basically said, I have an ice cream business and I deal with it every day. I have a, a car rental business and I deal with it every day. I have a, a real estate business and I deal with it every day. Uh, and so I have a club and I deal with it every day. So it, the way he was saying this was as a, you know, I think you could interpret this as probably like the good things and the bad things about the Laurentis are all in this answer because he doesn't delegate, which is very bad because everything goes through him and you cannot know everything there is to know about that, how to manage a football club. Even when yeah. we he touched about the T-shirts and how we have a new sponsor and stuff, he, like he, he answer, his answer was, oh yeah, I told my daughter who just graduated in psychology, come here, come to your father, come to the, my club, and uh, yeah, you are in charge of the merchandise now. Like literally said, this, this, my daughter graduated in psychology, so yeah, I put her in charge of the merchandising department. That's like, what they teach is, in psychology these days. How to sell t-shirts. Apparently. And, and uh, to be honest, to her credit, the t-shirts are pretty good. These they are actually. So, they are so, good, actually. So, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what? So whatever. But but you can. I think you can understand a lot about De Laurentiis by this answer because mm. he takes pride in the fact that he is personally involved in all the decisions. But that's a good thing in some ways because, for example, when he has to choose... Um, you know, like a sporting director, when he has to choose uh, a manager, he's the mm. one in charge of it. So he's the one who speaks to these people and, you know, he speaks to them for quite a long time. So, I mean, if you trust De Laurentiis about his, you know, uh, judgment of character, then uh, maybe you're going you're gonna to also trust his decision when it comes to appointing new executives, uh, directors and managers. And to be honest, over the years, he's had a, quite a few, like a, some good intuitions when it comes to managers, right? Spalletti, yeah. Sarri, yeah, 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 yeah. Mazzari, even the first time. So it's a, it's a good thing that he's involved. Uh, this is what, the good aspect about being involved personally. The bad aspect is that, again, everything goes through him. And 
and one point during the press conference, it was even like he was asked like, oh yeah, what about the stadium? It was something about the stadium. I don't remember something like that. And his answer, again, paraphrasing, but a part of his answer was, you know, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to, I was in Los Angeles. I was here. I don't have time for everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's revealing, isn't it? Again, and that's why again. these things never happen. And anybody listening who's got a job who feels a bit overworked, one of the big challenges, isn't it, is prioritizing your tasks. And then there's always those two things that you need needed to do. Like today's the only day this week that I haven't been teaching. And it's just been clearing my inbox and just going, but there's still stuff that I need to do. Um, I haven't got to the end of the day because I haven't got enough time to do it, you know? And it's the same. If you do everything yourself, you know, and actually you've got to get other people to help you out. Um, right. We're going to have to stop talking about ADL's press conference, Michaela. Oh. I'm sorry. We've reached the end of our time for this. I think we covered oh. about 10% of the press conference. It's There's fine. So, so much to say. These issues won't go away. So there'll be plenty of time to, to talk about them again. Um, Briefly, I want to just touch up, but we're playing Milan uh, Sunday night away. Yeah. Have they done that thing again where they're not letting people from Campania into the stadium? Oh, no. This time was even funnier. Oh, this time was amazing. So this time they started the sale, the ticket sales, and they said these tickets, so the away section tickets, are only, only for Campania residents. So if you are a Napoli fan from Milan, for example, from Rome or from Florence, whatever, you were not allowed, Glasgow, yes, you were not allowed to get a ticket to the away section, but you were allowed to get a ticket to the home sections. That's so weird. Why? I don't understand. Because they're idiots. <laughs> my, my, you want to know my theory? My yeah. theory is that they read the directives that came from the Ministry of the Interior. They mis uh, misinterpreted what they wrote and they said, uh, and they just put the sale for the Campania residents. That's I think that's my my theory because I read some of those um, uh, statements or whatever they like the official directives from the ministry, and sometimes it's hard to understand them. That's true, mm. but the things that they're always the same. So even though they are hard to understand, now it's I mean you know what to I love expect. it. They just got mixed up and they did the opposite of what they were supposed to. Because the exactly. idea is in that sort of awful way. They're just trying to keep people away. I don't know yeah. how they can get past the UN Convention of Human Rights on this. I have so no idea. Say, I, I, yeah. It is in direct con, you know, contradiction of that stuff to say I agree. you cannot be in a place because of where you're from. I agree. I, I think I've been is... saying it for years. I don't know how it's illegal. I don't know how Somebody legal needs it. to write a dissertation about it. We need like a law student yeah. to actually a human rights law student to look into this. I agree. The, thing, the funny or thing is that after like some Napoli clubs from around Italy complained about it. And on a Sunday, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. Yeah, let's open the sale for everyone. So they fixed the mistake on a Sunday because they realized that it was, was a mistake. But still, they sold tickets only to Campania residents for four or five days because of a mistake, because they didn't read it well. What a joke of a country. I don't know so how what... else to say it. What um so what's the state of play now? So if I was wanting to go to that game, it was a bit late now, and I was going to listen to this. Um, now I think now it's sold out. But yeah, for uh, I think for uh, the first three, four, five days, yeah, a lot of people I know for a fact that uh, some Napoli fans from Milan 
bought tickets to the Milan section, not any section, the Curva section. So where the Milan Lutras are. Oh again, God. again, because they were forced to. Let's let's hope there isn't any trouble. I've got a uh, bad feeling about this game in terms of entertainment value. So we got Pioli, who people are saying ADL quite fancies to take over next season. Who, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I mean, I admire him. I'm talking about people's character. I admire oh, his character yeah. hugely after the Davidea story. Um stuff and also just the way that he conducts himself I, I'm I'm a big fan of less of a fan about his football particularly at the moment and I fear that Mazzari is going to go through at the back and it's going to be worse than Lazio it's going to be worse than that game that's my fear but I hope I'm wrong um, could be could be the only thing the, the difference that Milan is much better than Lazio so it's be. true and actually they have picked up a bit um God, we talked about football way too much this episode. Um, do you have a Neapolitan expression of the week? Yes, I do. Uh, and it is was... it is it by ADL? Is it a quote from his 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 press conference? It it refers. Well, I mean, it could have been, I guess. But yeah, it refers to one of the things he said during the press conference that I found funny. It was it was about Zieliski. I think it was probably one of the most interesting parts about the press conference. When they asked him about Zieliski and they asked him why is he not playing and he was quite honest about it. He said, look, I bought some players, very expensive players with a, uh, a loan with an option to buy and the loan only lasts six months. So I have six months to decide whether to spend a lot of money to, to uh, activate the option to buy or not. So I need them to play. And since Zieliski is leaving in six months, then it's only natural that I make the players that I have to evaluate play and not Zieliski. It was even I I quite like I mean I mean this I hate the... this by the way. I absolutely hate this. Because I think well, it it puts so much pressure on those lone players. I, I think it it gives the opposition team weeks to plan about how to play against them anyway. But yeah. you know I mean well, this was the this was the non-toxic part of the answer because he also blamed Zeliski a little bit and especially yeah. blamed the um uh, the his agent. He just uh, he always talks about that. He always talks about money. But when it's money that he has to spend, people are yeah, he complains about it. When it's money that uh that he has to get, then yeah, I mean it's it's again again, it's one of those things that you have to pay a lot of attention to. The way he speaks about money. Uh it's quite funny and it's Pretty untranslatable because he uses a lot of fancy words and phrases when he talks about money. It's quite funny. But yeah, so the I found it interesting how he basically broke up in a way with Zeliski <laughs> over oh money or in general. So my yeah. uh, my phrase of the week is is this a morta creatura non si più compara. And morta creatura non si più compare. So, uh, literally translated as the the child is dead. Is dead. We are not uh, relatives anymore. Oh God! But, yeah. Well, it can. It's a. It's a. You know. It's a way to say, basically, once an interest ends, the mutual need ends too. If you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, so there yeah, is yeah. nothing else that links us. There is nothing we have in common anymore. There is nothing that 
our mutual interests don't don't uh, collide anymore. So let's each go our separate ways. I found that part of the press conference quite funny, and I think this Napolitan phrase of the week can, it could it, that seems a little bit dark, but it's really not. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's saying that you're, but, you're not well. part, and it sums up exactly what you're saying that you're either in a De Laurentiis's world or you're not. And exactly, yes, yeah, that's interesting. Yes, is that a working environment you want to be in? It's kind of someone used this phrase the other day. They would do, we were we were bitching about a, a professor that works somewhere else, and um, somebody I know said that, that this person tends to laser beam. So if you're in this person's laser beam, it feels great. You're in, and if you're not, you are, you're nothing, you know? And that's not a sort of world that I think is a good world to live in personally. Um, excellent. Uh, so before we go, I just want to give a shout out to some of our network colleagues. Our dear Rafa Rispo. Ciao, Rafa. Uh, there's a new podcast. We're no longer the the Lone Rangers, Michele. Too bad. Well, I mean, I'm happy that Rafa is having a podcast. But yes, too bad. It was fun. It was fun to be the only ones. Um, that was a reference to a very underrated 90s movie called Airheads, starring Brendan Fraser. And he's in a band that are called The Lone Rangers. It's quite funny. And they're like, but that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so please do everybody check out Noi Tifiamo Napoli podcast. And Rafa's got uh, a new co-host, uh, Daniel Urusso. And th if you haven't listened to the kind of first episode, I actually found it quite moving, Michele, because I thought you got Rafa, who's the same age as me. He's going to be 41 in March. Who was... Family kind of come from the Bronx via Naples. And you've got Daniel, who I think is in his mid-20s, and his family come from Naples via the Bronx. So they, they were trying to work out if their families actually know each other. Huh. And they've been brought together without sort of that connection. The connection is the club. And it's really beautiful, actually. And if you think, you know, you're in Naples, I'm here. There is something for all of our things that we don't like about this club and what we get frustrated with. But there is something quite cool about how there is this point in common that does spread around the globe and also generations as well. And I thought that was quite cool. So anyway, give it a listen, everybody. I, I'm really pleased that um, Daniel's part of the part of the family now. Anyway, so any last thoughts for our listeners before we before we run away? Oh man, I wish. I wish we could talk about this press conference for another five hours because there are so many interesting things. You mentioned how we sacked Garcia. You mentioned how we appointed Mazzari. Very interesting words about that that part too. Uh, a lot of stuff about the stadium and a lot of stuff about the new training center, which is quite interesting, I think. It's, Do you think it's going to happen? It has to happen. It's forced to. He has no choice. He's going to be kicked out of Castel Volturno in 2025. So he has yeah. no choice but to build a new training center. And it's, you know, like, again, it's probably the things that people overlook that are most interested in. Like the fact that he praises Empoli. Like at one point, he was talking about Empoli and he praised Empoli for 
having such a strong youth system. He said, no, those are, that's a very serious, admirable youth system. They actually put real money in it. And, you know, like when he says that, I mean, it begs the question, so why don't you? Like you either, like my idea was that he didn't care about the youth, youth system at all. And now he, he, he is raising a team that actually does. And well, it's a bit like him saying, why doesn't living in Naples is great? Yeah, and then why, do they, why don't you live in Naples, idiot? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. so what? Okay, what I'm going to say is because this is we're now nearly like an hour and fifteen minutes. Listeners, if you want us to talk about something specifically from this press conference or anything ADR related, let us know, and we will. We'll pick these things back up again. Um, you can do that by finding us on Twitter at Shadow of Vesuvio. You can find me at Henry Bergkultur, Michele at Napoli Tickets or at Michele GNT. Yes, and if you want us to record a five hours episode about this press conference, do say it too, and we'll do it. We'll do it. Because we have My to... world record with Rafa when we did those episodes about Maradona, we did two and a half hours. Yeah, that's I, I, I loved every second of talking about, because we went game by game about all of Maradona's seasons in Naples. We did it during lockdown. We have to finish it. We will finish it. Um, so yeah, do let us know. Um, yeah, and we're part of the Far From Vesuvius Network, which, you know, now has two shows, might even have some more in the future. Watch this space. Uh, great. Well, in the meantime, everybody, take care and Forza Napoli. Sempre. <laughs>